Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. All right, guys, welcome back. This is another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History. My name is Eric. And I'm Russ. So we wanted to start the show by talking about a few of our new listeners that we have in Brazil and South Africa. I know that we kind of start this thing uh, every time with uh, a few a few of the new stats about where people are listening to this from. And I just think it's really crazy that we have people in Brazil and South Africa and a bunch of other countries that are interested in this. And to be quite honest, they're probably going to end up being a little bit more educated on what Russ calls Wisconsinology. I think that's a term that you created, right? Yeah, it's one I always use. It's a, a fake one, but... Uh, it's... Yeah, but I mean, it, it actually spells it out pretty uh, pretty nicely. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we, we really certainly appreciate it, and we, we can't thank you enough. So today we have a, another great episode uh, on Wisconsin events and Wisconsin history. Today we uh, happen to be uh, honing in a little bit more on the inventions that uh, Wisconsin has, and we're going to start with the snowmobile. So this episode is all about the invention of the snowmobile, and we also have great Wisconsin music again. Uh, we have a beer review we have an interview with White Winter Winery in Iron River, and we also have installments of How Many Loco You At and This Day in Wisconsin History. So without further ado, here we go with the invention of the snowmobile, the Carl Eliasson story. Yeah, so before we begin, I wanted to give my sources that I use that I always tell you guys. So this time I hit up the library pretty hard, and uh, I'm a pretty avid reader, so I read quite a bit. I ended up getting a ton of books on Wisconsin history, and the first source I used was the Wisconsin Story by Dennis McCann, and I also used the official Eliasson website, and it's just eliasson-snowmobile.com if you guys ever want to go and check it out. There's original pictures, you can look at the patents, everything. So this episode is a hotly debated topic uh, where the true invention of the snowmobile was invented. However, the modern sled we all know and love today was invented right here in the great state of Wisconsin by a name, 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 <laughs> by Vietnam, Nam, Nam. named Carl J. Eliasson. The reason for the debate was the term snowmobile was first spoke by Virgil White, who modified his Model T with skis on the front tires, but was not the modern snowmobile in no way, shape, or form. Carl Eliasson was born in the UP and moved with his family to Saner, Wisconsin in 1909. This is where the first design would be created. The first prototype was built in a small garage behind its general store over the time span of two years. 
To get these parts required to complete the first design, he had to travel all the way to Milwaukee and larger cities to purchase bike parts that were required for the drivetrain and the track assembly. The motor was a 2.5 horsepower liquid-cooled engine mounted in the front of the machine. That's horsepower, BB. Oh, yeah. We got 2.5. <laughs> Which is funny because now like things have like, you know. Oh, they're it, you extremely can get rinse, powerful. I know. It's stupid power. So this machine featured cleats made of wood, rope-controlled steering, running boards made from downhill skis, and two people to, that could seat, be seated on the, the, the first invention. In 1924, the first prototype would be completed and was given the name of a motor toboggan, and the patent was filed in 1927, listing it as a vehicle for snow travel, and reassembled uh, archaic-looking modern sled. And it's honestly, like, it doesn't really look like it, but it was, like, kind of the first device that would be the closest to the modern snowmobile that was ever invented. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they really missed out uh, on an opportunity to call it the Motoboggin. It's uh, <laughs> Motoboggin. I feel like uh, that's pretty probably, cool, actually. That probably could have taken off. Moggin. He created a model that would haul three to four people and continued to refine his invention over the next 15 years. With a four-cylinder engine, the two-cylinder engine was actually sold for $350 at the time, and the four-cylinder was $550, and none of, the, none of them sold would be exactly alike as they were all custom-built by Eliasson. Eliasson used marketing techniques targeting hunters, utility workers, and outdoor-type people, and gradually the word spread, and they became very well-known through the entire area and the world. In 1926, Eliasson snowmobiles were used in the first race, which was held on the Three Lakes area, where there was more than 100 snow buggies, which took part in the race. So they weren't just the snowmobile. They were like people coming up with other inventions, too, because they saw this invention like, oh, we can kind of try something different. Right. Everybody's just kind of throwing their hat in the ring at that point to try to get something that'll move across snow with, you know, the, the motorized type skis and stuff. And wherever there's a motor, people are going to find a way to race it. I mean, I've seen lawn tractor races. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it They'll just... pour it out, put big, you know, bigger things in it, and it, it'll just be... It, yeah, it go it, it always go it always escalates from there. <laughs> exactly. And after a proposal by the Finnish, they wanted to buy 200 units immediately, and Ellison could not keep up with this sort of order, so he sold out to an auto automotive company called Four Wheel Drive Company, also known as FWD in Clintonsville, Wisconsin, with Ellison as the consultant on future designs. The patent was also updated to reflect all the new designs and updates that Ellison came up with. The deal with the Finnish did fall through as they could not be complete in time that was needed by the Finnish government, but the U.S. Army ended up purchasing 150 of the designs to use for defense in Alaska. Eventually, due to demand, a subsidiary plant in Kitchener, Ontario was open, producing some of the newer model designs. I have a question really quick. Yeah. What in the hell did the U.S. Army need 150 of these things for defense in Alaska? I think they were worried at a this time. uprising? <laughs> yeah, right. At this time, I think we were kind of in uh, in a clutch with Russia still. I mean, they were going through the Bolsheviks and some of the other revolutions, and we were a little concerned about that. So okay. they supplied a lot of them because they were so close in the Bering Strait there that they just wanted somebody and something there just in case. Got it. And obviously, they'd be better equipped having these snowmobiles to move quicker through the snow than the Soviets. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like a leg up. In 1955, when Polaris started making these devices and patents, they were all beginning to expire, allowing other players into the market, and production began to fall. Though Eliasson FWD Company continued until 1963, 
They eventually sold all off the part, all of the parts to the rights to Carter Brothers in Waterloo, Ontario. And Skidoo, the yellow Skidoo, would take off where the Ellison Company left off. And everybody knows Skidoo. It's kind of the the big name. Polaris and Skidoo are probably the two biggest names I would say in snowmobiles right now. Yeah, I would say that uh, that's a fair assessment for sure. Articat's up there too, but I feel like the the real diehards are like Polaris and Skidoo. But I really felt obligated to bring this guy's name to attention because a lot of snowmobilers don't actually know about him, and he was the father of the modern snowmobile. So Eliason, he's a massive hero of mine. Obviously, I enjoy sledding, and I love winter sports, you know, skiing, sledding, the whole works. I love all of it. But if you ever do get a chance, please head over to the uh, museum that they have in Saner, Wisconsin, in Villas County, and check out the Villas Historical Museum, where the first snowmobile is actually on display. Now, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode, and please stay tuned for our next segment, which is the music segment. So today's music segment, we actually have a song from a folk artist up in the UP named Charles Superzinski. And I got to give you a little story about how I actually found this song. So we were going around Hurley, around the woods, kind of going, looking at waterfalls and everything. And uh, this song came on the uh, Copper Peak radio on 1021 up there. Which is funny because we have 1021 here, the alternative yeah, that station. Be, no, that probably wouldn't be on the 1021 that we have here in Milwaukee, but a sick song either way. Yeah, so I was looking all over for this song. When I got home, I wrote down some of the lyrics because I really thought it was a cool song. It's it's something that really spoke to me for some reason. And so we went searching all over. So I went to Google search. I went, you know, all around Ironwood. I actually went to the Ben Franklin and asked the clerk, I'm like, have you ever heard of this song? Here's some of the lyrics. She's like, yeah. she's like, no, um, that might be the Youpers. I'm like, I don't think it's the Youpers. Like, I know who they are. They have like the 30 point buck. I was just going to say, they definitely are well known. Yeah, the 30 point buck and their other famous hits, you know, Rusty Chevrolet and stuff. Yep. But this song was really cool. And uh, so I ended up doing a lot of searching and I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna contact Copper Peak Radio and just see what. Ha- yeah. Yeah, and just see if they can maybe. I'm sure it's heads something up. they've played before. And actually, Charlie is one of the heads of the Copper Peak Radio, and no I way. Didn't, he wrote the song. And wow. it, yeah, it's a really cool folk song. Um, again, if you're up in the UP around Ironwood, Michigan, which is basically Hurley, Wisconsin, it's just on the Michigan side, just over the border. Yeah. Um, check out Copper Peak. Obviously, I'm not brave enough. It's a massive old ski jump, but you can go up and uh, like up to the top and actually see for miles. I mean, I'm not brave enough to get up there because that thing is huge. Yeah, that's insane. But without and it's an old ski jump. Yeah, it's an old ski jump that they just kind of use as like a, it's really cool. I mean, it's neat. And if you go there too, they got the Porcupine Mountains. You got Black River with the four waterfall chain. It's a cool place to check out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so without further ado, here's Charlie Superzinski. This song is called Back in Upper Michigan. This song titled Back in Upper Michigan is a reflection of why so many folks enjoy the Upper Peninsula. I can hardly wait There's no place that I'd rather be Lake Superior is in our own backyard Getting to see it, it's not very hard No sharks or alligators to bother us there No hurricanes either to give us a scare 
Again, that was Charlie Superzinski back in Upper Michigan. What a fantastic tune! I love that it's uh, it's got that raw feel. That that's the thing that drew me the most was that it's it's like uh, what you and I used to do, setting up like a little tape recorder. You're on one end of it, I'm on the other end, and we're singing and both playing our guitars at the same time. This brings me back, but it's also just that warm Wisconsin feel. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Makes you really want to get back up into the uh, UP. If you've never been there, check it out. Yeah, and, and honestly, if you haven't been there, this song makes you want to go back and makes you feel like you've been there before. So it's amazing. I love it. So now we have another edition of How Many Loco You At? And again, if you just want a little refresher of the uh, mathematics behind it, if you have one loco, you're at a four loco, obviously. That's the name of the, name of the drink. That's the name of the drink. But if you've had two, that's an eight loco. Yep. One and a half is six loco. That's just how we do our math. Exactly. So today's article 
takes place on July 10th. So a relatively recent interaction with the police. This is Wausau, Wisconsin. So an intoxicated driver caused over three blocks worth of damage Thursday night before his vehicle finally came to a stop. I wonder what stopped him. (laughs) You get three blocks worth of damage and and then your vehicle comes to a stop. Okay. A 61-year-old man making his way through town, making my way downtown, drinking hard, making stuff up, yeah. (laughs) So he was making his way through town. He struck multiple objects before coming to a stop just outside of Athletic Park. Now, what do you think of that, Russ? If I could strike 50 (laughs) times. (laughs) Sounds to me like this is Olympic level drunk driving. Yeah, this is pretty epic. And it came to a stop right outside of Athletic Park. So the officers were notified of the erratic driving early in his cruise and multiple arrived at the scene promptly. So they weren't aware early enough. (laughs) No. Uh, So... The the Wausau Police Department uh, lieutenant said he struck some street signs up at the area of North 18th Street on East Wausau Avenue and then continued further into town, struck the private business sign there uh, in the 500 block of Wausau Avenue, and then also struck a parked motor vehicle in the 300 block of East Wausau Avenue. So he really mapped it out for us exactly what happened here. If you guys want to revisit the crime scene, you certainly can. We've got great descriptions here of exactly uh, where the path followed. So can you can you uh, tell me what actually forced his stop? Um, After the loss of his two front tires (laughs) forced him to stop, the man did not cooperate with officers. He was eventually tased and forcibly removed from his vehicle before being taken via ambulance for medical evaluation. Oof. I don't think you need medical evaluation at that point. It's uh, take him straight to the psych ward. This guy's he's, he's off his rocker. Yeah, for sure. And also, he blew out his front two, and he is uh, he's done. His car is over with. Do you, do you think he shouted, uh, don't tase me, bro? I would imagine if he has teeth. He might have said something like that, but he's 61. He's clearly an alcoholic. Yep. Those ba- those chompers, those chiclets are gone long ago. Okay. Those are things of the past. All right. <laughs> he might have said, don't take me, boo. That's how you sound when you don't have teeth and you're an alcoholic. He was just gumming down some he was gumming. He was gumming it down. <laughs> All right. Um, he was highly intoxicated, ended up being arrested for OWI, and cited for that as well as hit and run. Oh, man. So the first object he hit was a stop sign. The next was the sign representing a family business. And um, the second generation owner of the business uh, recounted his arrival to his business in the morning. I figured that maybe part of the sign would be down, but it was like it was chopped right in half, right up by the building. It's probably a good thing there's other support there otherwise Uh, he probably would have done more damage. Oh, my God. That's intense. Uh, We we do not encourage anybody to to do, you know, driving after drinking, do anything athletic or dangerous after drinking. Drinking is the the sport that you do, and then you get a ride home, and you're done. You know, just focus on that. With all this being said, Russ, where do you think this guy is at? I mean... So is, let's let's recant really quick, just a, yeah, or yeah. recount rather what what happened. So he's sixty one. 
He hits three blocks worth of stuff, does a ton of damage, nearly takes out a business if the sign wasn't put together well enough, thanks to Wisconsin craftsmanship. And then he blows out his front two. He then doesn't cooperate with officers. He gets tased. And then he goes to the uh, uh, operating room to be operated on. Yeah. Oof. Um, man, this might be a 16 local. This might I, be the highest math we've ever done. To yeah. Be you know, this this one's tough for me to add up. This is four plus four plus floor plus four. <laughs> floor. <laughs> four four to the floor, floor. Four to floor the floor. And floor. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and straight straight say he's at a 20. A 20 local. Five cans. Off. He's oh. off, man. He is oof. gone. Yeah. And, and at a certain point of the four loco journey, it takes over. It basically replaces your blood in your veins and you're running on pure amp. You're just going. Yeah. You're like, you, you know, this guy's 61, but he's at a fraternity level drink right now. He's 20 in his head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I think you're right. I think this is a, our first case of a 20 loco. This is the first case of a 20. Oof. Wow. I don't know uh, what to say to this one, honestly. This is pretty wild. The, I mean, stuff like this does happen here, but... Unfortunately. And, yeah. and honestly, the reason that this segment exists is to put so much shame to this poor decision that we so often make here in uh, this state. Don't drink and drive. Just yeah, definitely don't. Don't. I mean, in my younger days, I've made some really bad decisions. We I'll all tell you have. right now, but... You know, ever since I've grown up, I've always either had a sober driver or, yeah. you know, I'd wait, you know, a couple hours at my buddy's house and just, you know, crash on the couch for exactly. a couple hours, you know, sleep it off uh, and and then, you know, go, go back at it the next day. But don't don't think that you're invincible and that you won't get caught because you will. All right. We have another beer to review. So this one is called Fresh Coast. It is a juicy pale ale, and it is from Three Sheeps Brewing. Yeah, so Fresh Coast is an East Coast-style pale ale brewed for, for the Midwest. Like most of the beers of its style, it pours cloudy, and that's on purpose. The haze lets, oil, lets oil, hop oils linger on the palate, enhancing their naturally citrus and tropical fruit notes. To get that haze, we have cultivate a special Vermont yeast strain that not only used for fresh coast. It's a it's a plan to manage for just one beer, but it's worth it. It's the kind of beer you can drink all day with your feet dangling on the lake because we live on the fresh coast and that's worth celebrating, right? That was right from the can. It's right from their website. Yeah. It's a great beer. It's a 4.8% alcohol by volume. It's a hazy, it's a it's a hazy pale ale. Yeah. Uh, really good tropical notes. I'm getting a lot of citrus out of this. Uh, you can you can taste the haziness kind of stays on your tongue. Yeah. The the so the one thing that I noticed after two sips here, uh, first one was a giant gulp. I let it sit for a second. Second one is just kind of a normal sip of beer. The thing that I get straight away is the juiciness. Is it is it tastes primarily like grapefruit ish. And uh, I don't ever get the bitterness yeah, of an IPA. No, you don't. It has like a almost a sweeter finish to it. And uh, yeah. actually just kind of bringing it up to my nose. Like I'm not, I obviously I'm not like a, a picky eater, but I'm getting a little bit of a pineapple hint to it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's very juicy. It's got very fresh uh, flavor of, uh, of citrus fruits. And 
like I said, it you'd never really introduce the 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 hoppiness. It it just it's not hitting. Even on the back, it you hold it in your mouth for a while, three sips, four sips. I'm not getting it. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with Three Sheeps, they're actually out of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, they're they make some really great craft beer. Um, they're these ones specifically the uh, juicy pale ale that we have here, the Fresh Coast, is actually available all year round. So you can actually go to mo- most places will have it, and you yeah. just go and pick it up. And honestly, this thing it uh, Fresh Coast, it tastes uh, almost shandyish, but with a little bit of muscle. It still has the the uh, everything brewed behind it is. It makes it that little bit higher ABV, and it has a little bit more of a pungent taste of, of beer where a shandy might lack. But unlike some more of your, your typical IPAs and doubles and stuff, it never really hits you with this uh, bitter dryness that you would get with, with those beers. It stays very refreshing, and uh, it, it's really good. I haven't had this before. And yeah, it's they, really good. It's you know, they great. don't actually consider this one like a, a session ale, but the low ABV, you know, it, it has the full body of like your standard pale ale, but it's like the lower ABV. So you can actually drink this one and not, yeah. not get that over trashed feel, you know, or right. just tired after having a couple of them where you just crash so hard, you know. About f- this is probably about my fifth or sixth sip, and I'm finally getting to the point where the back feel on the tongue, the back of the tongue is a little bit more bitter. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting that too, because I, I'm kind of taking a break between sips and um, letting it kind of sit on the back of the tongue. You're getting that little bit of bitterness, but uh, yeah. again, if you get a chance, pick this one up. It's called a fresh coast, juicy pale ale. It's amazing. So we're here with John from white winter winery up in iron river, Wisconsin. John, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks. So, John, obviously I've been to this place. It's it's great. Um, can you give us a little bit of information? I know you guys have a lot of mead, meads, ciders, wines. Um, do you have any new stuff coming out, um, any events? I, I know things with COVID, things have been tough. And uh, what are the current hours looking like for you guys? Yep, that's a lot of questions in one. Uh, yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start with the basics. Uh, we specialize in making mead. Um, and which has kind of been our shtick from the, uh, from the outset here, 20, almost 25 years ago now. And we started making cider about one year in. So we've been doing cider way before cider was cool. And we started distilling back in 2013 and, um, yeah, things have been a little bit different since COVID started. Uh, we do most of our tastings outside now. Uh, we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, but we're open other days of the week um, 10 to five and Sunday, 11 to three. Awesome. And yeah, I know for me, whenever I'm going down highway two up North, um, that's the one stop I always make is at white winter. Um, I love it. Can I ask you who does your artwork? I know you guys got those really cool, like sorcerers and stuff on it. It's so cool. Yep. That original artwork was done by Tonya Sell, and she's, uh, an artist, um, that's lived up here all her life. Her folks actually have the Ulu glass shop. Her dad, Jim Bojack, is a uh, world-class glass blower. And if you ever get a chance to stop at Ulu Glass, I'd highly recommend it. He does some incredible work. And given the time of year that you might be up, 
uh, he starts blowing glass in the fall and fires up his studios. So he typically doesn't do it in the summer just because it's too damn hot. Um, but if you're there and he's blowing, a lot of times he'll invite you down to uh, check that out and uh, give it a try. Yeah, I know. I, I love the town of Ulu because uh, we're, my family's Finnish. So like up north, it's just cool to have a Finnish named town in Wisconsin. It's really neat. Yeah. And it's it's a uh, it's not a place it's a thing <laughs> yeah it is, the, it is the town of ulu not not a uh, not a town of ulu if you know what i mean uh, yeah yeah right, mean. right. <laughs> and uh do you guys have anything new coming out i mean obviously we've had a few of your stuff um anything you recommend us checking out oh golly uh well this year we um we came out with the ass kick and apple Honey Crisp and Jalapeno Spirit, uh, that's 90 proof, and we released that, I think it was in March. Um, we actually did a special release on it, and we sold it for 2020 just because 2020 had been such an ass-kicking year so far. You're right. When it came out, so, but that's a fun one. Awesome. New one, a, a little bit of a making lemonade out of lemons on that one, so there's this whole story behind that if you want to talk about that at some point, but... Awesome. Yeah, we love it. That sounds tasty. <laughs> I might suck down a whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes a really great Bloody Mary, which, you know, what else would you do in Wisconsin on a Sunday morning? But that's that's how we start. Bloody Mary. That's exactly how we started today. I like that idea. You know, it was a it was a rough morning for me, so it was nice. I, I, I got to the studio here, and Eric made us uh, both a Bloody Mary sitting here waiting, which is the best way to start a day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, you, you know, had I been thinking, I should have had one while I was sitting here chatting with you. Right? It's the perfect thing for any phone conversation. Not only yes. not only will it lighten you up, but it uh, fills your belly. It's the ultimate breakfast in Wisconsin. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that, you know, eating while you're drinking thing all in one. I love it. But, uh, John, I know, so I know you're a Minnesota native, but uh, obviously you, you, you're from Wisconsin, you know, technically, so we have some questions to find out. How Wisconsin are you, John? Oh, boy. We'll see how okay. you fare. Play <laughs> right. it on me, brother. All right. Have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. That's a, a staple. Even Minnesota, you know what I mean? They still yeah. have cream creameries up there. I've been to a couple myself. Yeah, you know, there's nothing better than a cheese curd warmed up in a cast iron pan. Oh, that sounds great. You ain't lying. Yeah. All right. Have you ever tailgated? Have you ever had Usta? I have not. No. That's that's the the um. It's like a baked or fried cheese. It's God, it's so good. So Comes co- like in a slab, and you you know you can put it in your broiler and um and heat it up, and it's it's just it's the best. Oh, that sounds like heaven. So coming from up north, have you ever had a pasty? <laughs> I mean, that's a stupid question. Okay, so no, that's a loaded question. Is it? Okay. If my wife was here, I would absolutely say no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so pasties are the little things that you you put on to cover your nipples, right? At the strip club, or not me, but I mean, that's what I do, yeah. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) I cover mine when I go swimming. But I have had a pasty, and pasties are delicious. Yeah, you know, it's fun. it's funny because, like, from the south of the state, everyone that goes up there, they're like, oh, those are pasties. I'm like, no, they're pasties, you know? So I have to ask it both ways, honestly. Yeah. 
did I did I pass? You yeah. Did. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, you passed these. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? So you know the pasties you get when you're over in uh, in Hurley. So it's the pasties you can get over there too. But it just depends on which street you're on. Silver Street, I guess you get the pasties and. Uh, let's see what would the, maybe I don't know what maybe Main like Street yeah would be with the pasties so. like like in Ironwood I think they call them the pasties that's why I always have to ask both ways yeah. because people know them as both yeah in the south in the south of the state we call them pasties yep but when you're up there they're like oh no they're pasties you know like in their like up north accent you know well, well the reason I said it that way is because Silver Street you know pasties that's where all the strip clubs are yeah exactly so oh yeah so it's <laughs> It's the there's a slow there's a small divide. There's a slew of them. <laughs> and I only know that by reputation, not because. Oh yeah, of course. I've I've actually driven a snowmobile to a couple myself. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. So uh, have you ever tailgated at a Packers game, a Brewers or a Badgers game? I know you're from Minnesota, so it doesn't matter if you've tailgated anywhere. Well, uh, I have tailgated, but you know, truth be told, not at those Wisconsin iconic. Peels, sure so, sure yeah. we appreciate that though <laughs> have you ever we're actually, we're actually doing a lot of tailgating here at uh, white winter these days because when we have music out on the porch you know there, we only have seating for about 25 people in order to keep um, appropriate social distancing but we encourage people to pull into the parking lot open up the tailgates of their suvs and um, subaru outbacks and whatnot and yeah you know, have a cocktail and uh, listen to the music from their cars. Awesome. Yeah. So the next question I got, have you ever driven a snowmobile to a bar or even a restaurant? Uh, it, do I have to answer that? No, you don't well, have to if you don't want to. You, you can pass. As long, as, fine. as long as you were below point oh eight. Yeah, right, exactly. I, and that's okay. We're, we're okay although with that. You, we'll, we'll, you just said drive. You didn't say drive. And that's why that's why I included the uh, restaurant into that question to not yeah. load it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all good there. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Have you ever had a Wisconsin old fashioned with brandy? Absolutely. It's a, a good Wisconsin old fashioned with white winter spirits is to die for. It's a must. Yes. All right. This is a Wisconsin question, and actually, you know what? A lot of people have not done this, but have you ever milked a cow? Absolutely. Oh wow, that's that's pretty incredible. See the by hand, that's the part that make that sets you apart from most. <laughs> yeah, everyone uses the uh, suction cups well, nowadays, they, but I know I had to milk when I got in trouble. Right. So it was modern parlors have have made it an easy task whereas yeah. by hand it's manual labor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the next there's, question th- There's nothing like hearing that little that little ting, exactly. ting, ting as it squirts into the stainless right. steel pail. Exactly. All right, the next question I got, um, do you eat beer brats? And if so, do you have a beer that you normally use? Ooh. Uh, well, that's another loaded question because uh, beer brats, yes, but these days we cook them in hard cider. Oh. Or blueberry mead, which is just unbelievable. Yeah. That sounds incredible. I mean, that's a whole new flavor dimension. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Is there a, is there a, um, a a drink you'd recommend from uh, White White Winter to use? Yeah, well, the hard ciders, like I said, are fantastic. The sizer is good. The blueberry mead, 
you know, we do we do brats and blueberry meat for Blueberry Fest up here every year. And blueberry brats typically from Jim's Meat Market right down the road. So. Yeah, I know. I, I know in Bayfield County specifically, they have a lot of blueberry plants. Like you can just walk through the woods and find blueberries. Yep. The pine forest edge is the best place to find blueberries because they like that acidic soil from the pines. Oh, I'm into that. Blueberries are my favorite fruit. Mm-hmm. And they, they're picking now. They're everywhere. They they don't grow so good down here because we got that limestone base, so they yeah. don't they don't do very well. They're okay, but they're just not the best. Yeah, there's nothing like the flavor of a wild blueberry. You know, no domestic blueberry can stand up to it. Nice. All right, John. I got one more question before I let you go. Um, besides White Winter Winery, um, is there a brewery or a winery tour that you recommend checking out? Oh man, we've got. Uh, a couple of um, really great ones up here. Raven's Breath just opened up in uh, Iron River at the other end of town, and we're super happy to have them around. Uh, South Shore Brewery over in Ashland, Thirsty Pagan over in Superior, and Earthrider Brewing. We got the dis- uh, distillery up in um, Bayfield, Copper Crow, Kirtland, the Basney's Place, super nice folks. They're still pretty new, maybe two years old. And uh, Adventure Brewing just south of um, Bayfield, and of course, uh bayfield winery seven ponds winery um all those you could you can come up and make a uh a tour a winery brewery and distillery tour weekend so yeah sounds like we can come up there and just get absolutely plastered and tour some stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh responsibly of course your designated driver correct of course exactly (laughs) we we never we never allow for the irresponsible uh drinking Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because we actually have been, I've been to most of those, and uh, we actually have Thirsty Pagan coming up on one of our episodes, and uh, they, they were talking about you guys as well. Nice, yeah. Yeah, we used to play, I used to play music over there every Sunday night with Joe and Sarah, um, and uh, with the change in COVID, it kind of changed the hours of the music deal, so I'm working every Sunday afternoon when they're playing now, but I hope that we can get back and get back together with those guys on a Sunday evening. And John, we're we're both musicians ourselves. What instrument do you play? I'm a harp guy, a harp hack. Awesome! That's amazing. So, yeah. so when you come up, bring your guitars, and we'll do we some will on the porch. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely, you know, eventually we'll have shirts. We have some beer koozies and stuff. So next time I'm in the area, I, I definitely have to stop and uh, say hello. Yeah, well, do that, and you know, bring your gear. We've got fantastic uh, internet access up here, high speed. And you can do your podcast right from the, right from here. Awesome. We'd love to have you. We'll Sounds take you great. up on that. John, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, then we can really dive into the history of mead. We I, will. I, I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your Sunday. Hey, you too. Take care. All, All right. right. Bye. bye. All right. So we have another edition of This Day in Wisco History. So on this day, August 9th of 1793, the founder of Milwaukee was born. His name was Solomon Juno. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites and we can read one at the end of every show. 
follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as a dang it for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.